I'm joined today by an amazing colleague and friend, Gaynor Gosling of Gosling Consulting and R&D Tax. Anywhere there is innovation in your business, it's worth checking if you could make an R&D tax credits claim. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. I'm joined today by an amazing colleague and friend, Gaynor Gosling. Now, Gaynor and I go back several years in the business consulting and business support industry. We've worked together on business startup initiatives like New Enterprise Allowance Scheme on a few different regional growth programs like Marketing Birmingham. So, I mean, this also demonstrates the strategies of leveraging professional relationships that we talked about back in episode three. And it's how our collaboration is able to continue. But we also have our different specialisms. And today I'm picking Gaynor's brain about R&D tax credits, because that's definitely in her wheelhouse and not mine. So for all of you who are business owners, I know it's in your interest to know what R&D tax credits is all about, who can claim, how to claim, and other insights that are going to really help you leverage everything you can financially from your R&D work. Now, R&D tax credits is a scheme that works out of the UK. If you're not in the UK... Do a search in your own country and I'm pretty sure you'll find something similar on the kinds of government schemes that are available for business innovation and research and development. You may find something similar. So the principles will still apply to you if you're outside of the UK. So a very warm welcome to you, Gaynor. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jay, for having me. It's really lovely to see you. Yeah, I know. We've had a great little uh, girly catch up, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> we so now, have. now we'll do now we'll do the serious bit. But uh, yeah, no, uh, we're going to start by diving into R&D tax credits and hearing a little bit about how you got into that kind of work, because I know you've got an interesting career background to share. And then I'd like to quiz you a bit about your own business and how you leverage your consulting and support work with your life, family, and not forgetting the goats. And we'll have more on that later. Yes, Gainer actually has goats. <laughs> so, so let's start with, with part A, if you like, first, uh, Gainer, if we may. Um, give me a sort of high level view, if you would, of what R&D tax credits is all about. And I mean, please can you explain it, assuming listeners know nothing or very little about it? Okay, so R&D tax credit is um, um, something that the government set up to encourage people to think about innovation in the workplace. It's a brilliant, brilliant opportunity for businesses because it's very little work for a good bit of money back into their business, which they can then use either to do more R&D or to either recruit someone to do more sales or to do training or to develop their business in whatever way works for them. It's um, it's looking at science or technology 
I'm afraid. So some people think of R&D as being background reading. Unfortunately, that's deemed as pink and fluffy. (laughs) So um, unfortunately, that's not in there. Um, But science and technology actually covers so much. Yeah. And it's I think it's that bit that we've got to get out to people. I think I think that's the bit that you might be sitting there going, this is my normal day to day business. I'm not doing R&D. But I'm very good at coming along and going, what's that? Why are you doing that? What does that mean? And all of a sudden, this little light bulb will come on in your head and you'll go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And that's when the ball starts rolling. So people who really dismiss it perhaps is not for them, particularly if you banner it with science and technology, um, that suddenly realize actually there there are areas of, of my business and our innovation that could be worthy of a claim. Is that what you're saying? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I've had so many clients who I go and see who either go, I'm not doing R&D, can't be bothered, too difficult. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's that's a challenge. That's interesting because, I mean, it's not just who's eligible, is it? It's about the return on investment. I remember when we talked about it, it was a few years ago, I think, when you was, when you were starting to get into it. Um, and I was like, no, this isn't for me. Um, and people were... You kind of have to do the equation, don't you, to find out what kind of amount you're likely to be able to claim and then the cost of claiming it in terms of of time and and support to do it, because it's not an easy thing. And I know that's why you exist in a way is to help people to do it and help people, businesses, accountants to do it, um, I think. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it is challenging. And the first one is always the hardest, as with any you know, program of events. But, um, you know, that's why I'm there. I'm there to make it as easy as possible for you. So the amount of work you have to put in isn't that great because I'll guide you through the process and I'll help you identify the opportunities that you've got. And, I mean, we'll talk about the process in a moment because I think that helps to sort of illuminate what's involved um why would someone work on r&d tax with you rather than say their accountant okay um so because it's quite specialized and the rules change frequently thanks to hmrc (laughs) um unless you're doing them regularly it's quite easy to miss something um So that's one side of it. It's the experience and the knowledge base. The other side of it is around, say, my background. Because I'm a scientist, I don't look at the figures. I go in and look at what the people are actually doing. Yeah. I look at the business and I can drill down into the business and I can challenge and I can can see what R&D is. and I think I will probably get more out of the claim than most accountants do. Now, yeah, bear in mind that. Sorry. 
Now, I was going to imagine there's a, there's a lot of jargon involved as well, because, I mean, sometimes they produce these reams and reams of guidance on how to make a claim, but actually you read through it and you're none the wiser. <laughs> and is that what you're saying, is that some of the criteria or what's classed as R&D um, is difficult for both the business owner and possibly the accountant, because the accountant's money-minded, not R&D-minded. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, correct. So yeah. some of it yeah. is quite quite techy if you know what yeah. I mean yeah. um, and it's very easy mm. not to portray the claim in the right way in the technical justification um, which would then put your client at risk of an inspection and that inspection is quite scary because it can go back six years so yeah, you yeah. don't want to do that for your clients so yeah so let, let's just try and put shed some some further light on what what R&D is and, and who, who would be eligible. Um, so give me an example first of a business that's fairly a sort of open and shut case for R&D and give me a business where you might not have expected or they might not have expected that R&D would be something on their, on their radar at all and that you sort of turned that around and, and made a great case. Can, can you sort of start with the, the obvious case and then the not so obvious case? Yeah, so a really obvious case is an engineering company. Um, most engineering companies have got to adapt what they're building on a day-to-day basis. And all of that, as long as you can't go online and actually find a methodology or a recipe for something, that is R&D. Um, so they're the obvious ones, an engineering company or an, even an IT company who are writing methodology. Um, an unusual company would be around, say, um, a translation company. Um, and I had a lovely client recently who had lots of different software programs. So she has her translation programs Then she had her um, customer relationship system. Then she had her SAGE system. And so she was finding she had to input the data into every single system and was wasting time. And we sat down and talked about this and came up with a way of bringing that all together So we did her first claim was a look at the process involved in rationalising those methods. And then her second claim was on the IT implementation and having that all programmed for her. So that was one that she never thought she could get through. No, and that's fascinating because actually what you're saying is it's not retrospective. Because, again, I think that's an often a an assumption is that you you do the innovation and the R&D first and then you claim kind of afterwards but in a way you got involved when she was innovating correct and I do a lot of um innovative startups yeah who are in their first year um and I I like to get involved because I can sit down with them and explain which bits are R&D, what they can actually do extra to get extra money out of their claim. 
because because there are all these strange little rules yeah I can say don't forget to do this this and this because then you can put that in your claim got it so um, yeah it's really good to get involved early definitely I think my listeners um for this podcast um there's quite a spectrum, but I would say most of them are veering more towards the latter example you've given than, you know, than the than the engineering or manufacturing type of large sort of businesses um, putting lots of money into innovation. Um, so that's really interesting because um, definitely you're the person to sort of go to and say, I need to bring my systems together. I mean, actually, I work with lots of people where operational improvement involves integrating systems because often people have got a legacy of bits and bobs that they've sort of glued together um, and it's costing them a lot of time and, and effort and things get fall through the gaps. Customers get unhappy because um, things get missed. Um, and so they, in order to sort of grow and scale, that's one of the, the things that helps them move to the next step up. Um, so to think to, that actually you can relate that to an R&D tax claim, I don't think anyone's necessarily, many people have necessarily thought about that. So that's a brilliant example um, for people to have that aha moment, that light, light bulb moment that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you talked a little bit about what you bring to the R&D equation in terms of your background. Tell us a little bit more about how you got into this side of the business and and your, your sort of career trajectory that helps you do this work? So I suppose I was um, working with you, really, um, as part of our business group, um, looking at small businesses, really, and how we could help them. Um, as part of that, it, I became aware of R&D tax credits because I didn't know anything about them before that but being a scientist having been a forensic scientist for 20 odd years um what, you, know, you mean I like just... crime drama type of forensic scientist? yes like uh, CSI and all of that fascinating <laughs> brilliant I mean that's something to drop in at a party isn't it I'm a forensic isn't scientist yeah. <laughs> I'm a forensic scientist yes yeah no cool and, uh, so yeah Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I just think that's great. <laughs> so I suppose because I did that for such a long time and, and the area, I, I, I was a druggie. So, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> my own drugs all the time. Um, being a druggie, I, um, I was there when things like um, crack cocaine came onto the scene, um, all your ecstasies, your um, hydroponics. Um, and because of all of that, I had to do a lot of R&D and I was one of those people who go oh it's not R&D it's just what I do every yeah, day it's just science man. Yeah. yeah and looking back I realized now it was R&D yeah, yeah. and um you know I wrote the THC method for court purposes and 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 so I get it I yeah. understand the challenges and how much work goes into it and I think when I was then offered the opportunity to get involved in this process, I jumped at it because it's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, you know, I I love helping people anyway. And this was a fantastic way of helping people because it's a way of getting money back without having to put anything in up front. Yeah, especially um, if you can get the support that you, you need. Sometimes, you know, it just seems like such a big 
piece of work to do and you're starting from zero in terms of your own understanding of it. So just working collaboratively with someone like yourself. Um, but I think I, I, what I always love these stories where people have been able to kind of merge two worlds because I, um, in my background, sort of merged my education and e-learning and business support type of worlds and and you've merged your forensic science and science and technology with business support world as well and and I mean that must be such a a great moment when you think ah this is where I'm supposed to be you know because this is where you can really be as I I speak about quite a bit about your genius zone you know working in your genius zone um, where really you can have the most impact and bring those different talents and different experience together. So yeah, that must feel wonderful to be. And you've been doing it now for what, four or five years? Nearly six, Jane. Nearly six years. Oh my God, I hate the way time flies <laughs> yeah, this, this year particularly. So um, no, that's that's lovely. And, and it's, I mean, what do you enjoy most about it? I and mean, we'll talk about the process, as I said, in a moment, but what do you enjoy most about it in terms of start to finish? I, I think for me, it's meeting the people because they're they're so passionate about their business, and actually um, just letting them tell me what they do, and then helping them to identify what what you know what's what they are doing, yeah. and 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 I think it's so lovely when they go, oh wow, you get it, and. Um, Oh, thanks. That's brilliant. I'd never thought I could have done that. Yeah. And that's yeah. such a lovely moment when people appreciate what you've done for them and, yeah. and you know, they get something out of it. Brilliant. I mean, that's, I, I think that's a, the fulfillment, isn't it? But it's also, in a way, having to clarify it to you so you can help them, helps them with their marketing as well, I, I'd imagine. I, I mean, I always make those kind of connections. Because sometimes I think, particularly in science, the science kind of world, um, we, we're used to talking our own. I mean, I'm a scientist by background originally, but we're used to talking our own language. Um, and when you're kind of trying to market, perhaps to the people who consume your your products or buy your equipment, it, it's it's the benefits are harder to articulate the outcomes. Do you deal in R and D tax credits in a claim? Do you have to deal? or talk about the the benefits and the impact of the innovation or is it more about the the actual bit of work that's the business is doing it, it's the actual um how they achieve the r d um, right. so you do have to say um what was already out there and so what you've gone from to if you yeah. see what i mean so, so it's what, more focused on your- the business the internal sort of side of the business rather than the impact that the innovation has on its customers? Partly, but no, it has to be. It's not about um, extending your knowledge as a business. It's extending the knowledge of the world, really, and about what's out there. Pushing the boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely about pushing boundaries rather than just you as a person. Yeah, so, yes. So it is quite important that you explain that. Right. So um, tell me a little bit about the process you go through with a business that's looking to explore. Now that they've had this aha moment listening to our podcast episode, um, what's the process that, that you'd go through? So they would say, hey, Gaynor, can I have a chat with you about R&D tax credits? Where would you start the conversation and what happens next and next and next? 
Okay, so normally I have a quick phone call with them and just say, tell me a bit about your business, um, what you're trying to achieve, etc. Um, then I tend to have a video conference of some description because I prefer to do that because I like to see people and you can tell more once you start seeing them. Um, if I can, and I have started doing more again now. Um, I like to go out and actually see where they're based and actually see their product and actually touch it and feel it and get involved in it because then I I pick up on more things. I see more things. There's more chance of gathering that information for me. Yeah, and I understand. The conversation it. kind of expands and new things come up, presumably. But uh, I mean, obviously, it's harder and harder, isn't it, to meet face to face? And so, do you? Would you say you work mostly kind of regionally, or or at least nationally? Nationally, in that respect. yeah, a- nationally, absolutely. yeah. So I'm you're all over the, the place. place. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, yeah got- but there's also obviously with Zoom, you can have those meetings. But and they could, I presumably they could show you around the place using a a webcam or something like that. Yeah. 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 Like I've got guys up in um, Newcastle who um, I am um, I'm doing stuff with, and you know they're quite young. They're a startup. Yeah. So they're telling me, they're showing me stuff online, if you know what I mean, rather than me go up. Yeah. So that's good. Well, certainly you wouldn't, maybe once, but uh, yeah, I know that's, that's, that's great because obviously everything's sort of changed and shifted in terms of, of how people are communicating. So I was just sort of wondering how, how that's changed your business. We'll perhaps talk about that in, in a moment when we move on to looking at your, your leveraged business strategy. Um, let's just, cover off a few FAQ type questions that might help listeners to, to I mean, we've, we've started on that track in terms of the more unusual cases, if you like, that you wouldn't think would be R&D. But do you have a sort of sense, like a checklist of what kinds of R&D or research and development counts? You know, what kinds of businesses can apply? I know um, we sort of touched on it, but do you have like a checklist? Is that kind of a starting point of the process to say, the kind of work they're doing I mean because it's a forensic exercise I can get that you know when you go in and you look at their business what are you looking for so um any business who's done something that they brought something into their business and when it goes out it looks different right okay that's a good way of putting that's that's an easy way of thinking about it you know you brought something in but when it goes out it's different yeah why why have you done that yeah. You know, have you just followed a um, a method or a process that's already out there? If you haven't, you've done R and D. Yeah, because it's new. That's one way of look. Yeah, because it's new. So that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. for me, for me, there's there's four challenges that you have to fulfil. Is it is it science and technology? Um, which could also include the, the integration of IT tools. As we, I think a lot of listeners, that, that would probably be the area that they'd be, find the most obvious to look at. Yeah. So yeah. number one, is it science and technology? It's a science technology. Are you taking the risk? That's the next biggest thing. Okay. So this is around um, if, if it fails, and R&D can fail, and that's a good thing, it's fine to fail. Um, would you still have to pay for it? 
Now, if someone else was paying you to do it, it's their R&D, okay? But if you're paying for it, it's your R&D. So that's the second one. The third one is, did you have challenges along the way? You know, could you just sit down and go, I reckon if I do this, this and this, it'll work. That's not R&D. If you've gone, right, I'm going to try this. That didn't work. Right, what else can I try? Let me think about it. That's a challenge. Okay, so, so that's, that's the research part of the development, I guess, isn't it? Having to kind of look into it, learn about things, come up with ideas. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you, yeah, and and trialing them as well. So yeah, you yeah. know, you might make yeah. something and then trial it, and it doesn't work. So you know. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is that you've produced something that's different, that's yes. not necessarily yes. already out there. Although, having said said that, um, I would say things like beer there's lots of beer out there <laughs> and um you can claim r&d on beer because every time you make a batch of beer it's different <laughs> and it's not necessarily so like you know you might have um you might have um like my local brewery okay they make different ones there's um twisted spire and then there's um old prickly <laughs> And so, <laughs> so when they make it, they want it to be slightly different. They want it to be a bit more hoppy or they want it yeah. to be. So it's progressively evolving as a, yeah. as a product. Yeah. So, and so, so they might make it a small batch of it and that works perfectly. But when they make it into a bigger batch, it doesn't upscale. So like, you know, you like if you're making if you're cooking if you're making a cake oh it never turns out the same twice that's for sure exactly (laughs) and people say can I have the recipe and I'm like I didn't write it down like you should write it down (laughs) exactly and you might make it um a small cake and that's great and then someone says oh can you make me a big one so you like scale it up and it never works out because it's not right the proportions are wrong so so that's you know that again although it's R&D so yeah You've just got to think in a different way, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, what kind of money can be gained back? I mean, the, the, the sort of typical question is, you know, if it if is it worth it um, for people sort of going down this track? How how do you kind of make that that judgment early on without a whole load of having to do a whole load of work up front just to find out that you know whatever you claim you're gonna you're gonna pay back to the person helping you, for example. So the, so the things you've got to remember that are involved is your time. So your time is one of the biggest costs to the sure. business. So um, as long as you're on PAYE and paying yourself, okay, you've got a pot of money there. So, for example, I'll do it really simply. Say you paid yourself £10,000 in a year and – you're spending 40% of your time doing R&D, okay? And I will help you come up with that percentage, depending on what you're doing. Um, So that £4,000 would go in your pot of money. And then you would look and say, actually, I've got Fred helping me. He's employed by the business, so I do the same for them. Yeah. Then, Then you might go to me actually we've had to buy consumables and I'm like right what sort of consumables okay proportion of that was used up in the R&D that goes into the pot 
So it's a um, lot more money than people might first think. Yes, and that pot keeps getting added to. So say yeah. you come up with a X amount of money in a pot, it's then uplifted by 130%. So to say it's that? 100 that's the government give you that extra allowance to encourage you to do R&D. Awesome. It's actually an amazing thing yeah it's a different group of people to your normal tax people and they're there to encourage this because it's seen as so important to the country and do you know i mean it's just occurred to me do you know whether there are similar kind of schemes r&d tax credit and government uplifting um in other countries or is this very much a uk no it's um it's spread and spread across the world now um, most countries offer some sort of scheme. It varies in what you get back and how you what you can apply for and things. But most countries are now doing it. And it's the one reason I don't think we'll ever lose it. Yeah. Because we will lose innovation within the country because bigger companies will just take all their innovation abroad if you see what I mean so yeah it's it, interesting that it's, it's yeah important that we keep doing it and that pot of money that sat there because it is a separate pot of money to pay for these claims is never used up because businesses aren't claiming and the government wow. knows there's more businesses out there that yeah. are eligible. So they're not going to say, well, you know, we can't afford to pay you this year because the pot's dry. <laughs> no, not um, at all. So internationally, they do similar schemes. It might be called something different. And going back to a point made earlier, if you would ask your accountant about it and he dismisses it, go find someone that knows something about it, like Gaynor. But I mean, do you, I, I, I presume a lot of your work is UK based, but I imagine that you'd know at least to point people in the right direction if they were from another country in terms of um, you'd know what to look for if you were searching for what it's called over in another country. So, yeah, I, uh, I could help them with that. Yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Brilliant. So, of that part of money, um, you get a percentage back. Um, so once we gather that pot of money all together, we have to look at your accounts and we, we see whether you're in profit or loss. And you can be in profit or loss. It doesn't matter. Um, there is a, a concern that some accountants will say, oh, you're not in profit, you can't claim. That is not true, okay? Right. There is a lot of fallacies out there. Um, as, long as, you, as long as you've got PAYE system going, it's fine. That's pay, okay? as, That's you, important pay as you earn, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It yeah. might be called so something different somewhere else, but... Yeah. yeah, as long as oh, that's yeah. In, that's interesting for people. Really, really key for people to know. Yeah, not not to believe some of the assumptions. And, and again, accountants might might sort of have a, a skewed view of it um, if they've not been heavily involved in R and D. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of my clients I've won this year have been have spoken to their accountants and they've gone. Don't think you're eligible. And that's because they're not doing it on a regular basis. They don't really understand it, so they're not. Well, they might be doing it, it, but but you can squeeze more juice out of out of the what the business is doing by the sounds of it, because you know more deeply what what to look for, um, and add add to that pot. If, uh, that yes. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of questions from HMRC about R and D tax credit claims can appear the most daunting in your experience? 
Well, I have to say, touch wood, I've never had an inspection. Not one of my clients has had an inspection, whether that's because I write such brilliant technical justifications (laughs) or because um, they're not massive claims. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good one. But um, talking to colleagues, the biggest challenges that they've had have been around IT ones. So HMRC tend to challenge the IT technical side of things much more than they do other areas. I think it's because there is this understanding of what is a technological advance and what isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and and sometimes they tend to put more money into the claim and HMRC don't like that. So yeah. they tend or it's to be not the more seen challenging as ones. Necessarily, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, it's how so. you make the case, isn't it? And that's the way where you guys come in. Because I, I, I think um, the revenue obviously get a B in their bonnet about a lot of things, rightly or, or wrongly. Um, you know, well, they're trying to be fair, aren't they? But at the same time, it's sort of like, oh, you know, I obviously haven't made that clear. Or I haven't done this right. I suppose it's the added value that you bring say somebody say a business wanted to make a claim on their own it's I suppose part of my question was also what kind of bits would would somebody who isn't a specialist get stuck on in the actual claim process typically so so, yeah well the bits they get stuck on is actually understanding what they can claim right so So right at the beginning of the process it's very yeah it's very easy to just assume that oh well that's R&D I'm going to put that in and it it's I go back to the pink and fluffy bit. Yeah. It's if you put the pink and fluffy bit in, HMRC will see that and they'll as soon as they see that, they go, You don't understand it. We are going to do an inspection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets heavier. So that, that's yeah. Yeah. Go they on. come out and annoy you then and and as I say, that's much harder to deal with because they are there and they've got the the bit between their teeth and they do they do give you a hard time so yeah so getting it right in the first place you know getting that support to look at at your your claim in the early days is going to preclude hopefully preemptive strike <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask as well if you're noticing a shift in what clients um bring to the table when they approach you for r&d tax credit support particularly over this last year of course is is that in in which way? In the sense of are just general changes in what people are doing in R and D, um, but obviously in terms of things they've had to innovate during the pandemic period. Yes, there's been. Um, yes, yeah, I suppose more people have turned their hands to different things during the period because their main business hasn't been sustainable. So, for example, um, I've got a company who are printers and they do a lot of stuff for shows and things. Yeah. And, of course, there haven't been any of those going on because <laughs> of the social distancing. Mm-hmm. So they've had to think of other things. So they've actually been developing screens and holders and different things that could be used in the environment so so some of them 
aren't R&D, but some of them are R&D. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so then you know, they pivoted to something new. It's sort of, yeah, it just begs the question of, of is it innovation? Is it R&D? Um, definitely worth a look at for sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Well, I'm going to turn now to part B, which is a bit more about you and your business. And we can circle back to R&D if other things come up. Is that okay? Yes, that's fine. Good, good. I mean, I know that R&D tax credits isn't the only thing that you do in your business. And I mean, how how does it fit into your own business strategy? Because I, I know you do some other things, but this is, is this now your main, your main work? And I, I want to sort of ask is how it's changed over because you sort of said six years you've been doing it but I know you didn't go into it sort of full full on to start with you were still doing a lot of other things and we talked a bit about that before we came on the show so R&D tax credits is one thing you do and how has that kind of become a mainstream kind of thing in terms of your business strategy and what are the reasons for you taking that on apart from your love of it which is obvious okay so um I think how it happened was, as with any business, when you start it, it's really hard to get your first few clients, isn't it? And yeah. I think I got a client fairly fairly early on, and that was quite challenging. Um, it was a, a very challenging claim, and I wasn't sure yeah, how get the to difficult take one it to forward. start with. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and um, and then. I think because I got the confidence to do the first one, then I met someone else um, actually through LinkedIn. Um, He actually approached me and he then passed me on to one of his um, suppliers. And that was my second client. And then it was like, oh, how am I going to grow my business? Because I'm really enjoying this. And and I think this is – this is what I want to do more than anything else. Yeah. And, and so that's when it kind of came together and, and you realise that your two worlds are, are beautifully suited for this kind of work. Yeah. So you kind exactly. of grew that and took on more and more. Did you then decide consciously to drop some of the other things? Yes, I did. Mm. I, um, I decided for me, I, I'm very much of the opinion that you should only do what you're passionate about and so it's very easy when you're starting a business to take on everything and think oh I need work I'll do that I'll do a bit of that I'll do a bit of that and I think with time you realize what you're really good at what you can add value to and what your clients will get the most out of from you yeah no that's a really Um, good way of putting it because I think people are searching for working in that place where they're both fulfilled personally and financially. Um, it, and it, it, it doesn't happen. You know, you can sit down and try and do the perfect business by design. Um, but I think what I'm hearing from you, and, and I'd subscribe to this as well, is that it, it's actually more of a, an evolving aha moment you know it's it's not something you can think through necessarily it's something that you have to be open to and observing different kinds of work that's coming in and which ones really make you tick 
Is that what I'm hearing? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I like that. I really like that. It's, <laughs> I mean, it can seem like a bit of a luxury. And I know that people can spend, you know, 10 years after they started working for themselves and, and growing a business, they can feel that they're still not quite in the their own space. But it will come if you keep your mind open, I think, to those opportunities because when you had that first claim you must have thought oh this isn't for me <laughs> it's too difficult I'm rubbish and all the imposter syndrome stuff comes back in but you kept at it um and and it came through so certainly you can't make a decision based on on one experience you know sort of two or three and then see um and you sort of start stepping into your into your zone don't you and um and then it becomes more obvious so yeah I love that story that's great um, what what have you found over the years, Gainer, that works best for creating leverage in your business? Um, building relationships with people, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, now all my work now comes via word of mouth. I don't market myself yeah. as such. Um, and I think that the people who pass me on to their to other people. It's all about trust and about that relationship. Yeah. And for me, um, if you haven't got that trust or um, comfort with that person, do you know what I mean by comfort? Yeah. I.e. that you trust what they do yeah. and that you're confident that they deliver what you want them to deliver. Well, it's you also nothing stronger than a referral of a of a happy of a happy client. So, um, yeah. and does that and does that come? I know you said you had repeat business, but does it come mostly through LinkedIn, or is it? Yeah, because I, I know you're involved usually in sort of quite a lot of regional um, networks as well. Um, and and this year must have been challenging in that way because people aren't meeting. Um, but no. is it is it a lot through LinkedIn? Um, I get a bit through LinkedIn. Um, um, I'm, I'm getting more, I have to say now, most of my work comes either through um, previous clients who pass me on to other companies that they know. Um, they're accountants now. So when I give the accountants their claim information, mm. they can see that I've made their clients happy. Um, yeah. And then they will yeah. say, I've actually got other clients. Would you be willing yeah. to talk to them? And that lets them so, off the hook as well because they don't have to suddenly become a specialist in R&D. And uh, it means they can take on clients they perhaps wouldn't have thought of before. So that's kind of a nice little triangle, isn't it, in terms of that that um, that pass, passing people to you? Yeah. yeah. No, awesome. You can find it, uh, Gainer on LinkedIn if that's a, a routine. I know that you've got – you just need to search Gainer Gosling um, and I'll put the link in the show notes as well. So that's definitely a way to get in contact with, with Gainer. If you'd like to set up that kind of initial conversation with her and sort of just explore this, just start to explore this. Nothing to lose and everything to potentially gain. Um, so you set up as a consultant. I know, as I say, you've got lots of networks and partnerships and associations, and you're really good at, at that side of it. Um, and we did do an episode with Andy Lapata in episode three on, as I said earlier, leveraging professional relationships. So you've just kind of reinforced how important that is. And you've also had a personal experience that you uh, you allowed me to invite you to share. Uh, and, and that must have impacted you quite considerably. Um, through this uh, period of kind of going into this new area of R&D tax and building it up. And then all of a sudden, what happened? 
So, yeah, um, year one, I'm starting to build up R&D. Um, and then five years ago this week, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, which was quite a shock. Um, yeah, I remember, so we were, I just, I remember you telling me we were in the ladies of a, of a pub that we were meeting at at the time. And I was, yeah, it's, it's hard to hear. It's hard to say. So I really appreciate you you sharing that. What a journey uh, it's been, five years. Um, but that's um, how, you, how you came through that is just something. So I was in awe of, you know, your strength. I'm going to make you upset I, now, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm very... Um... I'm very good at compartmentalising things, I think. So I think um, it was hard. And, and I have to say, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, it was 18 months of real challenge with all the treatments and things I had to go through. But I kept positive and I was very determined. And I think that worked for me personally. Um, you know, I still did my summer classes wow. two out of three weeks while I was having my chemo. Just because I didn't know I could. that. That's amazing. Yeah, really yeah kept your spirits was, up as well to some extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I, I couldn't do it. I was knackered, and yeah. I just, you know, it yeah. was. But I was, I was determined. I was going. So, um, you know, they weren't keeping me down. I think, as far as the work goes, it was quite sad in that. Just before I diagnosed, I'd agreed to work in partnership with a guy and we just sort of put a plan together of who we were going to talk to. Um, and, you know, to, to get to that stage where you're just like really determined to do yeah, something yeah. and then this hits you, you just think that's it, you know. And yeah. it would have been very, very easy, I must have admit, to have just sat back and gone, that's it, it's over, I can't be bothered. Mm. And I thought, no, that's not going to happen. So during that time, I still kept in touch with my clients and, and worked remotely with them. And then um, when I came out the other side, I then had to start all over again, getting myself going. Um, and yet coming out the other side, I think I valued things in a different way probably. Got it. And I, I don't think I pushed things as hard. I think I was a bit more laid back. And being a bit more laid back, I came across in a different way. I didn't come across as needy. Um, and maybe because I valued things differently, my clients saw that in me. And I, all of a sudden, I got a load of clients all in a very short space of time. Yeah, your, your and, energy. And that's just now, yeah, yeah it's just yeah. now snowballed. It's interesting. Um, it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is that changes, but I I think it does. And I think it's happened for a lot of people. I've said this on, on other um, episodes as well, that this this year has really changed things for people. They've started to reevaluate um not obviously to the to the same extent of of your experience but um yeah just to be able to sort of think about what's important in life um we're always pushing aren't we we're always push push pushing and especially if you're trying to grow something that doesn't mean you can't grow just because you take a more relaxed 
approach. It's all up in your mind, isn't it, about how you see the process. So thanks so much for sharing that, Gaynor. And I think because we work for ourselves, you have the luxury, don't you, of deciding whether you're, you know, what you're going to do, whether, you know, it's, it's okay if you want to say, look, I'm not going to do anything for a year or 18 months. That's okay too. But you knew that what you wanted to do after that. So you kind of prepared to keep things ticking along as best you can. And maybe that added to your, to your, to having, knowing that that was the plan as well. Maybe that helped. But I, I, to me, leverage is not just a, a business mechanical sort of thing. It's not a finance thing. It's actually about a lifestyle thing. And it's being able to then know that your business is secure and stable enough. Um, and I think that's what you were sort of making sure that it was still going to be there when you got back kind of thing. And But being able yeah. to take that time for yourself. And uh, and it's the same if, if, if family gets sick as well and, and being able to take that time for yourself and um, – I know that sort of with my daughter's uh, situation is we're very lucky. She's very healthy, but you know, things change at any time and being able to, to have the leverage in your business to be able to, to switch modes, if you like. So appreciate you sharing that. And the light, the slightly lighthearted side of it is, I, I mean, I always remember your stories around your rural life. I love living in the countryside as well, as you know, and um, every now and again, Gaynor will share a story about her goats. And I, when I first sort of heard mention, I was thinking, did I hear that right? So you keep, <laughs> I mean, I know people have dogs and cats and bunny rabbits, and sometimes people have a few chickens because they like fresh eggs, but goats? Tell me about that. What's your, what's your kind of, <laughs> what motivated you to get goats? So it all started when we moved here into the countryside. We've got quite a lot of land and um, it was always like, I love animals. I'm, I'm mad about animals anyway. So I've always had cats. And before I was married, I always had dogs. Um, but my husband doesn't do dogs, okay? Because he got bit when he was younger. So he's a bit more Yeah, worse. yeah, that would do it. <laughs> so... Um, so when we came here, I was like, I want a dog, I want a dog. And he's like, we're not having a dog. And I'm like, I want a dog. <laughs> so um, when I left corporate world, um, they very kindly gave me um, a gift. And the gift was, because they didn't know what to buy me, they bought me lots of things, but they, bought, they gave me cash as well. And they said, buy something that you want. <laughs> So, you're not so going to tell like, me now. So you use the cash to buy a goat. I bought two goats. Yeah. <laughs> you're so <saying> I, <laughs> your leaving present was a couple of goats. I mean, that's just classic. <laughs> so, I knew I'd get the giggles talking about this. It's so funny. So off I went, and I thought <laughs> I'm going to buy myself two pygmy goats. So I bought Severian Florence. But why goats, Gainer? What's is what's the appeal? <laughs> Well, they're not too big, okay, because really I've, I wanted Highland cattle, but the, <laughs> the, the husband wasn't having that. So, so he was like, well, what can I get? And I'd, I'd read about goats, and, and I've been told they're really friendly and really intelligent. So I was like, hmm. So I just thought, I'm going to have them. Do you know what I mean? And I love and your pictures so... of you going down the road. I'm taking the goats out for a walk. <laughs> it's just fabulous. <laughs> and I mean, it's just great to be able to choose exactly what 
you know mad things you want to do with your life and Gates is that's your thing it's not not mad to you it certainly sounds a bit mad to a lot of people but no I love it absolutely love it and I mean you obviously get a lot of fun and pleasure out of uh, out of your goats and sharing your funny goat stories it's uh... exactly they're my outdoor (laughs) dogs that's the way to look at them yeah, outdoor dogs. Yeah, I know. And some people do keep their dogs outside and the dogs are not sort of house pets. They're, they're guard dogs. So, yeah, it's not a far cry. Do goats make a lot of noise? <laughs> Would they bark no. as an intruder? <laughs> no, but they, they do. Bleat loudly. <laughs> they, they do. They do make a noise. They do make a little noise. If I'm out there and someone's coming, they go, Mwah. they do oh, make so a little noise. So you do get a bit of an alarm system. Oh, yeah, oh that's yeah, so funny. Yeah. Hey, yeah. um... Let's just pop back to some of the short-term wins in terms of the amount of money they might be able to get back. I mean, what's the proportion of of spend to tax relief? Can you give me a figure on that? Is it so varied? It's it's a range, yeah. Yeah. So um, it depends if you're in profit or loss. So it can range from 19 to 33% of the pot that we identify. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I asked that question. It probably seemed about out of the blue after the goat story, but <laughs> I just thought I hadn't really covered that um, because that's significant. Yeah. That's quite a significant, um, you know, tax relief. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for, for such a clear and, and focused set of, of insights on that. I always ask a punch question um, of my expert guests. And that's if you had a superpower gainer that could create leverage <laughs> in your business, what would you choose? Oh, that's a oh, that's a challenge. Oh, I yeah, don't I like know. to surprise you with a quick trick question. Yeah. That's not a trick question. What would leverage my business? Um Oh, a superpower. Being able to see into the future, that would be a really good one for me because then I'd see what new um, things people are developing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You seed some ideas then. Yeah. yeah. That would oh, be, yeah, that'd be really good. That's yeah, I like that. One. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Didn't take you too long yeah. to find that one. <laughs> and to yeah. some extent, I guess you can horizon scan with in science and technology um, if you do your sort of proper homework and you're involved in some of the sort of cutting edge things um, for the types of businesses that you support, then maybe you could get a little bit of your superpower. And I'm sure you do that already anyway. So yeah, no, that's fantastic. Love it. Um, this is super fun. I've loved exploring these questions. I mean, R&D tax is not the sexiest. It's not the sexiest no. topic, really, let's face it. But I no. think actually what you've given is this sense that it's actually quite powerful and um, could end up with a significant amount of, of money back into your business um, definitely that is sexy I mean that is good that that sort of stuff that gets people excited so I'm really glad that we were able to to share that and to highlight the opportunities um, is there any parting wisdom that you'd like to leave our listeners with yes always try and do something new um, and if you're not sure just ask me because there's always someone out there who'll help you, whatever you're doing. Yeah, so. I'm sure you've actually got a lot of examples. If people are thinking, well, A, is what I'm doing R&D? That would be question one. And two, what kinds of R&D could I be doing that exactly. actually wouldn't cost me as much as, as, as it, you know, that what I give out, I'll get some of it back. So those are two really good questions. And I mean, thank you so much, Gainer. Such a lot of vital information. And I mean, definitely head over to LinkedIn, search for Gainer Gosling to connect with her. And 
we'll put a link in the show notes as well to your R&D tax credits. I can try and read it out now, but it's not an easy URL. It's uh, click.rndtax, and that's R and spelt in full, dtax.co.uk forward slash gg. And you can get a free assessment, can't you, by um, contacting you, having a quick chat um, and getting in touch. So that's the road to go down if this is something that you'd like to explore. Even if you're totally not sure if it's something that would be for you, it's worth that that quick contact and just see, just to have a look. Brilliant. Well, thank you again. It's been great. It's been great fun catching up with you as well. And uh, I hope you've uh, enjoyed it too. And I hope all listeners have enjoyed it and that you'll join us next Friday so we can explore more Leveraged Business Matters. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leveraged Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So, hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.